Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're just joining us, we are wrapping up a message series entitled The Blockbusters. And over the last few weeks, we have been kind of diving in and really discovering that in the Bible, uh, there are some incredible scripts. Now, these are actually authentic scripts. These are real-life scripts, whether it's action and adventure, whether it's drama, whether it's suspense. And that's what we're going to talk about today because there is a suspenseful moment that we're going to dive into. Um, Hollywood has kind of figured out over the last few years that instead of having a great screenplay writer, and great authors of new scripts, they should just really go back to uh, one of the uh, most incredible documents in historical history, and that is the Bible, um, because who better to write an amazing story than God himself? And so they've begun to do that, and we start seeing that played on the screen, and so today um, we're going to dive into suspense. In a good suspenseful movie, everybody is going along one trail, everybody is thinking the same thing, and then all of a sudden in a moment something happens. Something happens to totally change your thought process, totally lead you in a different direction. And Jesus Christ, for those of you who don't know much about Jesus and maybe you're new to Christianity, Jesus does this in one moment, an incredible moment in his longest message that he gave to people. Um, He has a suspenseful moment. And we're going to jump into that in just a second. But before we do, if you were here last week, um, last week, you remember, we ended with one main point, and that was do for the few that you can't do for the many. That when God speaks to your heart and says you should do something about that, that if you have the ability, the capability to be able to do that without making excuses, then instead of making those excuses, justifications, or anything else, you stop and say, you know what, God, you said that I should do something about this, and so I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do for the few that I, don't, I can't do for the many. And so today as a church, I'm a practical person, and I thought, you know what, as our staff, we should do something like that. We should do for the few that we can't do for the many. So here in our worship center, On the floor, in the pew back in front of you, in a few different places, if you look very closely, you will find a gift card that you will be able to use. So right now, I want you to really quick look in the pew back in front of you and see if you see a gift card. And if you find it, I want you to raise your hand or I want you to hold it up so that way everyone knows that I'm not just making this up. So really quick, you might have to jump a pew. You might have to look over. Don't be afraid to to get up. I know people will judge you, but that's okay. Go ahead and do that anyway. And see if you find it. Oh, I see one in the center. They got that. That's right. I saw you leap the pew. Very good. Very good. I'm very, very impressed. Anywhere else? Anywhere else? Got over there. A couple over there. Very good. Over here. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. That's funny. I just saw a person hold one up and the person next to him went, gosh, I'm leaving this church stuff. Be great. For those of you, it's really, really important, and I pray it's just a reminder. We are a church that loves to preach to Monday. We're a church that loves to see you take what God has to say on Sunday and go to Monday and affect your world. And so I would say this, just another reminder, do for the few that you can't do for the many. Now, with that being said, um, we're going to kind of pull it back into a suspenseful moment that we see in the Bible. And for those of you who have maybe never read the Bible, don't worry, about 84% of the room has never read the Bible, so you're in good company. Um, But if you've never read the Bible, there's an amazing teacher, a God, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
And he's going to plant himself on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And in Israel today, you can actually see this place. Um, By the way, uh, spoiler alert, the Sea of Galilee is actually not a sea. It's actually a lake. Um, True story. Don't get mad at me. Go Google it or look it up yourself. It's a lake. Um, And so Jesus stands on the shore. And the reason why is two reasons. Number one, it is the most breathtaking and beautiful views you've ever seen in your life with mountains on one side, with the hills on the other side, and a beautiful lake in front of you. And Jesus sits there and he has a multitude of people and the acoustics in that area are incredible. And so Jesus sits down and here's what he's going to do. He's about to do. He's about to change everything. He's about to spin a few caps. And in fact, I'm going to read you a passage of scripture that Jesus is going to lead off with. And it's very important that you focus on this. Because if you've come to our church for a while, I continually say, if you want to understand what God says, if you want to understand what Jesus means, you have to remember one word, and that is context. You can't jump right to something and read it and say, this is what it means. You have to understand the before and the after. And if you don't, you're going to be lost and you're going to be confused. And so I want to bring you to the beginning. And I want to bring you to something that Jesus says, which impacts everything he does here. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, your iPads, iPhones, or you can follow along on the screen here. Jesus said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Now, if you're ever in a room with someone that is a leader and they say, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say or why I've come. Usually in those moments and meetings, if you've been in business, you lean in a little bit, don't you? What is he about to say? What's just about to happen? Does anybody know about this? You start looking at one another saying, what is he meaning? Why is he doing this? And then he says this, I didn't come to abolish all that we've come to know. Because really that's what Jesus was saying is, all right, people, you believe in God. I just want to let you know that I've not come to abolish all that the prophets, the founding fathers of our faith have said. That's not what I'm about okay, what are you going to say then, Jesus? And watch what he says. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And so Jesus right away says, I didn't come to abolish. What I'm about to tell you has nothing to do with abolishing or getting rid of the laws that have been written. But I want you to know this. What I'm about to say has everything to do with the purpose for these laws. Now, let me give you a spoiler alert. In just a second, I'm going to read some passages of Scripture. There's actually three different statements that Jesus is going to make, and they all are interconnected. Each of them you probably have heard before. Even if you're not much of a Christian, you probably have heard this before. And you've probably misinterpreted it, or you probably have been used against you, or you used it against someone else. And so today, we're going to settle it. Today, we're going to get to what Jesus means, because Jesus says, before he says this, I didn't come to abolish the law but I came so that the purpose of it might be known. So we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, because Jesus in every one of his statements is going to say, the law says this, and then he's going to explain what the purpose is. Take a look. You've heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, Jesus says, in our law, and this is biblical, this is in Jewish history and and all the laws, not just the Ten Commandments, by the way, Jesus is referring to over 600 different laws that the Jewish people had to follow. You've heard in the law that the punishment must match the injury, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So in other words, if someone punches you, you punch him back. If someone takes this or hurts you, you hurt him back. 
Whatever you did to that person, they have the right to do right back at you. And then Jesus is going to pivot because that's what the law states. And he says, but you've forgotten what the purpose is and why God put this in. And I want to remind you what it is. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Jesus right away, and you've heard this. Many of you saying, turn the other cheek. You've heard that before. Okay, so that means, this must be what it means. If someone goes ahead and punches me, I'm supposed to just say, okay, thank you, may I have another? No. Because there's no purpose in that. And that's not what Jesus was meaning. Jesus was getting to the heart. And if you and I in this room, we pause. And this is why there's a word in Scripture that other religions have stolen from us, but it is all throughout Scripture, and it's the word meditate. That is a biblical word. And God calls us to meditate. In other words, don't just read it and just fly by, but read it and then ask yourself questions. Really think hard about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he wants to fulfill a purpose. So wait a minute, Jesus, if someone smacks me, I've got to turn the other cheek, get hit twice? That doesn't really make sense because God, you've given me a heart of wisdom and wisdom doesn't dictate that I just be a punching bag. You're right, it doesn't. So let me get to the point. Jesus loves people. I think you've seen that. And every person, no matter what they believe, is a child of God. Am I right? And so if God cares for every child of God, whether they believe or whether they don't, God still loves you and I. No matter how much you've fallen, no matter what bad you've done, God still loves you because you're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, he cares about the person more than he cares about the action. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus was concerned that the was becoming more important than he or she. Jesus was concerned that eye for an eye, you punch me, I punch you back. He was concerned that because of the law, people were looking and saying, okay, you did that for me, I get a free one. And that's not the heart of the law. What Jesus was really basically saying is, look, you should love one another so much that you shouldn't want to hit your brother or sister. But if your brother or sister loses their brain and in a moment they kind of just lose it and they do something against you, instead of you just jumping in and saying, all right, I get a free one back, you should stop and pray for them. You should stop and talk to them. You should stop and love them. You should care more about them than you do the action. The thee is less important than the he or she. And all Jesus was doing is saying this, people, I came to fulfill. And so if you would just pause And for a moment, think of the person before you think of the action. I promise you this world would be in a much better place. Many of us, if you had a sibling, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, let me give you an illustration while we're at it. I remember a very vague memory, but I remember like it was yesterday. I was sitting in my room, and my brother and I, my brother's two and a half years older than me. We were sibling rivalry at its best. We would fight like cats and dogs. Um, we would compete against each other. We had a lot of fun together, but for the most part, any time we were not competing or playing a sport, we were probably boxing, hitting each other, and everything else. And usually I lost because I was the younger brother. And I'll never forget, we were going at it, and my brother was picking on me, and then I fought back, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and we were doing that. And all of a sudden, I just wanted to get out of his hair. I'm like, look, I just stay away from me. And so I got one more shot in, and then I ran. By the way, kids in the room, we don't encourage violence. 
So I remember running all the way, and I remember going into my bedroom, and I had just gotten a brand new pair of headphones. I was really proud of those headphones. I bought those headphones. They were probably a buck fifty at the local general store, but they were great headphones. So I went ahead and put my headphones on because I just wanted to get away. And I remember in my room, and all of a sudden the door flings open, and it's my brother. And he just wants, he just wants to have a little fun. And he comes in, and I'm like, get out of here, get out of here. And he comes up and then he starts throwing stuff at me and hitting me because he wants, he's bored. He wants to play. And apparently I'm the play toy. And so he wants smacking me, smacking me. And finally I just, will you stop? And so I, I go back and, and I punch him again. This time he gets so mad, he comes over and he takes the headphones off my head and he goes, and he breaks the headphone right in front of me. I jumped off the bed and we went at it. And we were, we were going at it left and right in the hallway. And my parents, my mom, she comes in and she goes, enough, stop it. And she grabbed the two of us and she separated us and threw us to the sides. I don't want to hear anything. You're both grounded for a month. I don't want to hear another word. Now, I got to be honest with you. That was not fair. My headphones, the things that I bought, just got cracked. He did more to me than I did to him. It wasn't fair that I had a month. He should have gotten more. If you're a parent in the room, you know exactly this. My mom didn't give a rip about any of that. My mom looked at two of her most prized possessions and her heart broke because she looked at an older brother and a younger brother and said, you shouldn't be fighting at all. You should remember that you're brothers and you should love one another and you should care for one another and you should stop the nonsense. And so the thing, the headphones, my mom didn't even want to talk about the action because she was so overwhelmed with the fact that we were missing it. And that's what Jesus does with us. As he looks at us, griping and complaining, bickering and arguing and fighting over the the, when we should pay more attention to the he or the she. So you need to care more about the he or she than the the. He continues on because that's one. Here comes the other. If you were sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If you're sued in court and your shirt's taken from you, give your coat too. Now, Again, this is one of the most misunderstood scriptures in all of history. Because some of you are sitting there and saying, well, that's ridiculous. If someone comes after me, I'm going to defend myself. What am I supposed to do? Just give all my possessions away? Am I supposed to just be poor and let them just take everything that I have? No, again, you need to have a head of wisdom. But what is, what's the purpose? Why is Jesus getting to this? Jesus is again going back to the fee. And he's saying this. It's less important that you get back at someone. You did this to me, so I'm going to take this from you. It has nothing to do with it. And what Jesus is saying is, look, don't do that. Don't go tit for tat. Remember the person that you're talking with. Let me illustrate this another way. About 10 minutes ago, I set you up. Because we did for the few that we couldn't do for the many, right? Some of you walked into this room, you sat down, and you're sitting next to someone. And when I said, there is a gift card in front, the person next to you reached over really quick and snatched it. And here's what you, some of you thought. I was, it was right in front of me and this person reached over and they grabbed it in front. That's not fair. Sinner. (laughs) Jerk. And look, they're smiling. They didn't even, like, say sorry. They didn't even, like, offer it to me. They just went ahead and got it and said, Woohoo, look what I got. It was right in front of me. That's not fair. Some of you are sitting there and you're saying, I've been coming to the church for 20 years. I never got a dang thing. And that person is new and they got the gift card. 
just wrong. Hope they get a flat tire in the parking lot, a ticket. Where's that police officer? I'm going to get them a ticket. Here's the point. You walked into this church and sat down and you smiled at one another because you didn't know each other. And like, hey, good to see you. God bless you. Jesus is wonderful. Isn't he great? And what happened? I introduced the gift card. I introduced the thing. And some of you, your opinions, your thought processes, and maybe just for a second, but you got distracted, didn't you? You started thinking differently about someone, didn't you? You started sitting there and going, oh, What Jesus was basically saying is, look, things should not be above people. And if you are as brothers and sisters in Christ are doing the right thing, you both should not put things above people. And so for a lot of husbands and wives, for a lot of situations, Jesus is looking at you and saying, remember the heart. Things should not matter more than people. And so he brings these two statements and they're going to culminate. And so if you're falling asleep, I promise you, you're going to like this, so wake up. Because I promise you that Jesus Christ was the most phenomenal teacher in history. More so than just because he's God, but because I'm going to show you why. Because Jesus did this all the time. And unless you understand culturally, biblical history, you would have totally missed something in just a second that is going to make such great sense to you. He wraps up this paragraph, this statement of teaching, with one more example, and I don't want you to miss it. Take a look at this. He continues. And you know what? If a soldier, if a Roman soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, I don't want you to just carry it one. I want you to carry it two miles. Now, many of you have read that before, and many of you say, yeah, okay, he's just doing the same thing. Okay, carry it one, go two. Okay, great. No, 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 you you have totally missed it. In biblical history, during the time that Jesus taught this, it was well known that a Roman, obviously Rome was occupying that territory. And so Rome represented the occupants. They were the occupiers. Rome re- represented authority, a brutal dictatorship and authority. And so if a Roman soldier came into the town, the towns that Jesus was in, and they got off a horse, and if a Roman soldier looked at a 12-year-old boy or above and said, boy, come over here, take my stuff and carry it. If you didn't do it, you went to jail. Or even worse, you were beaten, flogged, and who knows what would happen to you. So every 12-year-old boy and above throughout that time period knew that when Rome entered the city, that they were probably going to be walking a mile with a Roman soldier. Now, don't miss this. If you were a 12-year-old boy or above, I can promise you one thing, that Rome represented something to you. A Roman soldier represented something to you. Because probably a Roman soldier had beaten a relative or a family member, even killed a family member. So to a 12-year-old boy or above, a Roman soldier represented pain. But something else, Roman soldiers would also have the right to occupy your home. And so if a Roman soldier came in and said, we need to rest for the night, and they came on your property, you needed to allow them to go on your property. So not only did they represent pain, but they also represented taking your resources from you. And there was nothing you could do about it. And so the people despised the Roman soldiers. And so don't miss this. Jesus gets up and says this. If someone causes you pain, I want you to turn the other cheek. If someone takes your resources, I want you to offer something more. In other words, if someone says carry this for one mile, I want you to carry it too. 
A Roman soldier represented pain. A Roman soldier represented stolen resources to an individual. And Jesus was going to take all this and make one strong point. And that is this. 12-year-old boy, if you walk one mile with a Roman soldier, you fulfilled an obligation. Mile one fulfills an obligation. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Could you imagine, I just want you to tell a quick story and I want you to put yourself in the shoes. Imagine if you were that 12-year-old boy and imagine if the Roman soldier who came and pointed at you and said, boy, come here and take my stuff. And that Roman soldier or that regiment was responsible for the death of your mom. And they were responsible for the destruction of your property. Could you imagine how you'd feel in that moment? You'd sitting there with your friends and everything in you wants to just attack the Roman soldier and you stand there and you know, I have to do it. And your friends say, just do it, just do it. Just don't, just don't say anything, just do it. Just carry it a mile and be done. Just do what you're supposed to do. And so you as a 12-year-old boy come to the soldier and you grab his stuff. And you can imagine walking down that mile and here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine hearing Jesus' words in your head as a 12-year-old boy. Well, I'm doing my obligation. I'm carrying this one mile. But Jesus Christ came and said, carry it two. Why would I carry it two miles? Why should I do this? Because he represents pain. He represents the loss of my resources. And now you want me to carry this two. Do you know why? Mile two changed the nature of their relationship. Many of us in this room are more than happy to go mile one. There's a lot of husbands who say, I'm going to go mile one with my spouse. Nobody else does this, so why should I do have to do this? I'm not expected to do this. I'm going to do the bare bones minimum because I'm a husband. I'm going to fulfill my obligation as a husband. And Jesus screams into your life and mine and says, you should go too. Don't just go one mile. Because I promise you this, watch this, that 12-year-old boy who walks one mile, when the Roman soldier turns and looks at the boy, and the boy says, boy, you're done. Give me my stuff. I need to find someone else. Could you imagine if the 12-year-old boy looked at the Roman soldier and said, sir, I'll be more than happy to carry it one more mile for you if you'd like. Could you imagine the Roman soldier at that moment? At that moment, he would look and he'd be stunned. He'd be astonished. He'd wonder why. And you know what would happen? He would look at the boy and say, tell me your name. Tell me more about you. Tell me why you did this. Jesus looks at you and I and says, in your neighborhoods, in your family, if you go the second mile, you are going to inspire somebody else next to you to ask questions. You are going to change the nature of your relationship with another person when you go two miles. If all Christians go one mile in an obligation, nothing changes in this world. It's when a church, a person decides, I care more about Jesus than I do about my stuff. And I'm willing to go an extra mile for people that people's lives change. So here's your question. Who do you have to go the second mile for? Who in your life right now do you need to go the second mile for? Who is in your life right now that you are fulfilling obligation and you're praying for them because you know what? I just pray. I'm worried about them praying for them, but you're just doing obligation. You want to see life change? Go the second mile. Go the second mile. Jesus finishes this statement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. And I have one last thing to share. Take a look at this. He says, give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Go the second mile for those that ask. 
care more about the he or she than you care about the thee. There's a famous scripture that most of you know, and I wrap up and I'm done. And it's a very, very simple scripture. And it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 21. And here it is right here. It says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And so many of us, we look at that and we say, okay, wherever my treasure is, whatever I like, whatever I want, that's where my heart's at. It's deeper than this. Because if your treasure is where Jesus is trying to take you, if your treasure has nothing to do about you, nothing to do about your stuff, nothing to do about the thes of the world, and if your treasure should be about the he or the she, because your responsibility as a Christian is to glorify God in all that you do. That's your responsibility. And so if, if your treasure is supposed to be based upon reaching, inspiring, teaching, sharing with someone else about the amazing relationship you have with Christ, if that's where your treasure is supposed to be, then your heart will be there also. Here's the problem. Many of us sit there and we say this, well, I can't go the second mile with my spouse because I don't feel like it. Terry, there's too much water on the bridge. Terry, there's too much history. Terry, he's done this. She's done this. I am not going the second mile because I'm done with it. There's no way that I can do this. And so you sit there because you don't feel like it. And that's where your heart stays. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Don't wait until your heart changes to make an investment and go mile two. Don't wait until your heart changes. You want to see someone change? Start today. You want to see someone really, really, really inspired to Christ? Go mile two today. Allow God to speak to your heart. Allow Him, allow Jesus to speak to you and remind you that the he or she is more important than the thee. Invest in someone so your heart changes today. I end with the question, who do you need to go mile two with? Who is the person right now in your heart and in your life that God is saying you need to go mile two for? Are you willing to do it? Are you going to allow your feelings to say you're crazy? Or are you willing to make that difference? Let's pray. In just a second, I'm going to ask Tangina to come and lead us in singing together. But in this room with eyes closed and just an attitude of prayer, I just just would ask you in this moment, don't leave this church without knowing who you need to go mile two for. We come and we worship on Sunday mornings because we know sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes life has got us down. But we come because we know the truth that our relationship with God is more important than anything else. And so we stand and we sing. Sometimes we sing with a heart that's filled with joy. Sometimes we sing and our heart's not there. But we do it because we know God has gone mile two for us, so I'm going mile two for God. And so today he's challenging you with this simple message to say, who do you need to go mile two for? So in just a second, as we stand and as we sing together, I want to encourage you to allow him to speak directly to your heart so that we can inspire others to his life. 
Father, I bless your name today. What a privilege it is to worship you. And I pray that you'd speak clearly to all of us in this room. And may we truly understand what it means to love and inspire others to your matchless name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.